Good morning. It is so good to see you. I am so glad that you're here. Are you ready? I mean, I want you to get your, your spiritual seatbelt on because we're going somewhere. Man, anytime we follow Jesus or really get serious about following him, things just begin to happen. I think the disciples kind of kept, you know, they were slow learners. It took them a couple years to figure this out. But we don't know what's going to happen. All we want to do is be where you are. And this series that we're right smack dab at the forefront of the Luke, uh, the entire Luke book, the Gospel of Luke, this one's entitled follow because we really want to help everyone here to be able to follow Jesus from the heart. Amen. If uh, you didn't get a chance to hear, I just something we're really excited about wanted to just uh, before we get into the message, Luke chapter 9 if you want to have your Bibles ready, open up your MVCC app, the Holy Bible is right there. Uh, we'll be in uh, 51 through, I'm sorry, 57 through 62. Um, so before we get there, um, I want to make sure you knew that our heart is we want to help you to follow him, continue to follow him. So we have something very special set up uh, about every couple of months. We call it Next Steps. It's just a seven-week course on Wednesday night. It starts next week. Pastor Scott uh, is uh, a part of leading that. And basically what it does, it gives you some grounding on some of the spiritual truths that we look into into the word so it helps us to follow. But one of the biggest things that happens through that is relationships start to form. Friendships start to happen. And so it's not too late to sign up for that. You can go on the app, you can go on the website, or you can go right to Connection Point at the end of service here and you can get involved in it. We really want you to come to that. We want you to be our guest. And I will tell you, it is just a lot of fun just hanging out with some new people and getting to know here at MVCC. Also, um, as you know, we are family here, truly family. It's not just a building and not just a, a religious gathering. We are truly family. We want to uh, get to know one another. And so one of our um, family members is going through some changes. If you weren't here last week, uh, Pastor Stephanie, who's been over our children's ministry, has decided to, uh, to do something else, and she's put in her, her resignation, and um, she just felt like the chapter had closed, and she's going to be doing something else, and um, we just thank God for all her work. But God brought us uh, someone to lead our, our children's ministry, and uh, we're calling it our Family Life Pastor Ministry. And so I want you to get to know uh, Becky Downs and her husband, Tom, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. Hey, my name's Becky Downs, and this is my husband, Tom, and I'm so excited to be the new Family Life Pastor at MVCC. We absolutely love this community of believers, and we're so excited to be here. I'm super passionate about um, supporting families as they teach their children to know Jesus, to grow in Him, to serve Him, and to share um, their personal faith with their friends and others. Parenting is hard work. And for anyone who's been a parent, um, we need fellowship and we need community. Um, a little bit about Tom and I is uh, we grew up in Orange County. We were part of the same youth group um, all through high school, although we didn't date then. And then when I was at Biola University, I was doing children's ministry at our home church. And we started dating. And then after seminary, we got married. We have one son. He just graduated from high school. And you've probably seen him around here because he's on um, the tech team. After we left our home church, we moved to Saddleback Church, where a position became available for me to serve on the children's ministry team. And over the past 20 years, I've had a variety of roles there. And it's been an incredible time, but the Lord let us know that there was something new. Little did we know God called us here for such a time as this to be a part on staff. We had no idea. And again, we're so thankful that we're here. And now this is our new church home. And I can't wait to meet 
all of you, get to know you, and uh, let's enjoy this next season of ministry together. We are so excited to be part of the NBCC family. We can't wait to get to know everybody, serve with everybody, and just be a part of this amazing church. All right. So I just want to give you a little bit of a window before we get into the message today that's it's in my heart is uh, uh, Becky and Tom started actually coming to church here uh, a few months ago. And so um, as you heard, um, she was over um, all the children's ministries at Saddleback Church. She's just got amazing gifts and she's been seen a lot and been through uh, some of the incredible things through children's ministry and family ministry. But as she was starting to attend here, they were kind of looking for a church home just to kind of land on. Uh, we went out and had some coffee, Tom and I and Becky, just to get to know. I try to, um, all of our pastors here, we just want you to know we're here to do face-to-face ministry. It's not just like fill out a card, we hope you like it, and good luck. You know, we really want to get to know you. So um, we went out for coffee, and she was just sharing her experiences at Saddleback Church and all. And she, she had told me, she's, Tom and I have really felt like God wanted us to serve here and just be here at, at the fellowship and just be part of the, the church. I said, that is awesome. We would love for you to be a part of our family. So um, a week later, Stephanie, who's our children's pastor, felt like, you know, that chapter was closing. She let Pastor Brian and I know. And so we were um, sad about that because she's just, you know, Stephanie, she's just all in for kids. So I went back to, to Becky and I said, can I talk to you again? Um, we've uh, got kind of a change in our staffing. Would you consider, prayerfully consider, be a part of the leadership team in children's ministry? And she said, you know, I, I just, um, I will pray about it. So um, I was kind of nervous and all because uh, as Pastor Brian and I were talking and Pastor Scott, some other was, you know, going back in and looking at resumes and putting things online, it's just hard to find people that really mesh together in ministry and feel like, man, we're a part of a team and the vision of MVCC, it's, just, it's not that easy. So, um, Thankfully, Becky and Tom came back and said, you know, we really prayed about it. We feel like God has said yes. So they are part of the team here, which I'm so, so glad for. So um, we are opening up a whole new perspective. It's called Family Life Ministry because we realize that children's ministry is not just about Sunday morning kids. It's the fact that we have an elementary school, kindergarten through elementary, over 500 children just over here on Sandoval Lane. We have a preschool here on campus Monday through Friday. We also have a kids club. So combined, we have about seven to 800 children that we have the opportunity and privilege to minister to. And so Becky is going to take all of that into one big basket and say, how can we not just reach children, but how can we reach families and help you as parents and grandparents to raise your kids and equip and all those good things. So we're just excited about the new chapter, and uh, I will say this, that uh, Becky's going to be looking for some, uh, we don't call them volunteers, we call them team members, because we really believe that, you know, it's a team effort, but if you have any interest in children's ministry, family ministry, you definitely want to get to know Becky, and she's going to be looking for a team, so real excited about that, amen? Hey, I just want to say thank you so much to Luis and Devin, um, who led this morning, Mark is on vacation, just phenomenal job. I happened to just, Pastor Scott and I were just worshiping over here together. I just leaned over and said, you know, I just like when I see a worship leader that's happy. They're happy because they love the Lord and they love what they're doing and it just flows from the heart. And I really got that from Luis, so, um, so we're thankful for him. Today we're talking about following and we're really going to be zeroing in on learn to commit. 
My father, when he was alive, he taught me not only by word, but he taught me just about how he carried himself in life. He's one of the heroes of my life, and for many reasons. But I remember he said to me, son, when I was little, he says, whatever you do, you want to do it with a passion, and you want to do it 110%. And my dad talked to me like that. You know, his veins bulging out of his neck. He was intense. He would get down into my face because he's Italian. He's passionate. And he said, I just want you, son, to do things with 110%. And I remember that. So when he put a racket, a tennis racket in my hand at age eight, I, just, I did tennis with 110%. And then all of a sudden, when Jesus came into my life, I couldn't help but do Jesus for 110%. I mean, if you're part of MVCC family, you know we are a passionate group of believers because we believe that it's not just religion, going to church, sitting in a service, reciting some verses, maybe just getting baptized and going on our way. It is a passionate life change. It is passionately pursuing God who pursued us with his love. And before we get into the text here, I just want to say there's some important things to say about why we do what we do. Why is the mission so important? Reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ to make disciples who make disciples. And in our land here in Mission Viejo and Lake Forest in South County, we really felt like the Lord was leading us to how are we going to accomplish the mission of reaching everybody we possibly can with the greatest message known to mankind. And that is simply being real, loving, and on mission. That's what Jesus did. Jesus did it very simple. And so the question is, why do we engage in mission and vision? Why are you here? Why are you passionately pursuing him? I hope it's for one reason. Because you love God. You love him. It's not just that he loved us first, but we get to love him back. And the fact that we love him prompts why we do what we do. I feel sorry for people who do religious activity just because they have to, or it's just what we do, or we feel pressured, or hope I get my brownie points with God. If you've accepted, received Jesus Christ, John 1, 12 says, you have already received Christ, you are saved. And because you are saved, oh, that was not a good response. I'm looking for a little more. Aren't you glad to be saved? Because you are saved, now we want to serve. We want to go to next steps. We want to get in a life group. We want to figure out ways. How can we positively be in the community to show that we as a church are here for you? We're not against everything. We are for you. And we want you to hear and most of all see the gospel of Jesus Christ. The overwhelming love of God. It's hard really to put into words. I think you would agree. When you've given your life to Jesus at that moment, when you said yes to Jesus Christ, and you received him, and you repented of your sins, and you made a decision, I'm giving you 110%, and I am going to get baptized, and not just that, but I am going to follow you, something happened in your spirit. If nothing happened there, I want to encourage you to get to the altar and ask God, I need you, Lord. Fill my spirit. Fill my heart. I think one of the things that God gave us so that we can just catch kind of a glimpse. Remember last two weeks ago, we talked about the transfiguration of Jesus up on the mount with Peter, James, and John. He gave him just a glimpse of the glory of God that they got to see Jesus in all of his perfected state. His face was like shining white, like lightning. I think God gives us once in a while these little glimpses of how powerful, how awesome he is. And I think you would agree with me, those of you that are parents, The closest thing that we can relate to, to how much God loves us, is he gives us the opportunity to procreate. 
He gives us the opportunity to have a child. And you know when you have that firstborn, it is the most amazing. The second one's okay. But the first one, it's just an amazing experience. You're holding this little person, this little person that God created through us. And now you get to love and, 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 and raise and, and help that child to know God with all their heart through the years of raising them. There's nothing like that. If we could magnify that 10 gazillion times, that's how much God loves you. The reason I wanted to, 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 to intro this is because if we do not have an understanding where you're at right now that God, not as you ought to be, not as you should be, loves you right where you are. If today you feel like a spiritual zero, that's okay. He still loves you. If, if today you're sitting here, you know, Mike, I can't relate to this because I'm on the mountaintop with Jesus. We've just had experiences with Jesus this last week. And man, I am so close to Jesus. He loves you just as much on the mountaintop as he does as you're feeling like you're in the valley of life. Some, I know some of us today might have felt like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I've had thoughts. I don't want to ever assume that everything's always great. Everything's always wonderful because it's not. There may be some in this room that have thought, I don't know. If I even want to go on tomorrow, and I love God and I'm wrestling with that, but I just don't want to live anymore. I don't ever want to assume that everything is great. That's why it's so, so important. The message today about learning to commit is not about a feeling. It's not about an emotion. It's not about getting your praise on, and if I don't feel the presence of God, I'm not going to follow him today. It's about digging in and being serious about committing my life to Jesus Christ Come hell or high water, whether on the mountain or on the valley, I am committing to you, God. I will not leave you. When we were little, my father used to do, I appreciate Pastor Scott, he's agreed to play along with me in this. But my father, when I was little, my sister and I would sit on the couch when we watched Scooby-Doo. And he'd come up and he'd play this game with us. And the game was called Pressure Points. And whenever, do this, okay, just me. Well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to. Just hang in here, Scott. I just don't want to get kicked in the teeth here. But my father would take, take the, on my left leg, and he would just, right at the calf, we call this the California calf, and we just, he would squeeze right here in the pressure points, right here. And then he would grab my thigh leg, and he would just grab right there at the pressure point. And then he'd do, he'd call the Pittsburgh pinch. And he'd grab right here on the back, of, and his face would get like this, and he would dig into this pressure point right here. Now the question was, Dad, how much pressure are you going to put on us today? Here's the question I have. Yeah, you know what, Mike? I'm with you. I'm hearing it. I just, I commit my life to Jesus Christ. Can you handle the pressure of when you don't feel it anymore? Or when your kids go south? Or when there's not enough money in the bank, or you lost the job, or you've got the doctor report, or things are shaky. Can we handle the pressure when it's not so easy? When did Jesus, I challenge any one of us, when did Jesus ever say in the Gospels that following him would be easy? When did he ever say, you won't have any problems, you won't question, you won't have any anger towards me, you won't have sometimes a lot of Uh, unanswered questions that you're wrestling with and just feel like today, I just don't want to follow Jesus. The disciples struggled with this stuff. They did. And in this text here, we're going to look at three different, very specific scenarios about why three people walked away 
when Jesus made a simple invitation. I don't want us to walk away. I don't want you, when you're feeling the pressure, feel like, I just want to give up. I just don't want to do this anymore. It's just not worth it. I'm not feeling it anymore. I had a, I had a brother, this is about six, seven years ago, who came to church here, received Christ, got baptized, was in. And about three years into it, he says, nah, I'm just not feeling it anymore. And I never saw him again. You know, that breaks my heart as a pastor because what it did, it broke my heart for him. But I was thinking, where did I go wrong? Where did we go wrong to teach people that it's all about feeling? That if I'm not feeling it in the church service anymore, I'm out. Jesus fed 20,000 people. I don't know, but the remainder of that text, remember that text we looked at a few weeks ago? The remainder of that text is there wasn't 20,000 people following Jesus after that. A lot of people can't take the pressure of following Jesus, but you can. I believe that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And if you're watching online, I hope that you get something here from this text that's so important. So to, 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 to paint a, a, a realistic background, factual picture of what's happening here in Luke chapter 9, the nation of Israel split into two. This is many, many years ago before Luke chapter 9 that Jesus is teaching here. They split into two. There was Israel and Judah. And, and unfortunately, the Israelites, the Israel was taken into captive. And when they were taken into captive, a few of them smattered into a place called Samaria. You might remember that place. That's in John chapter 4 where Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well. Very, very divine connection here that happened and changed her whole life and the whole town that she came from. But Samaria was a place that the Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews. Because at that time, some of the Jews intermarried with the Samaritans and God wanted to keep the purity of that bloodline because Jesus would be born and that was his chosen race. And because God, they disobeyed God and went into that place where they're all kind of false gods and they gave up the one true God and now they're worshiping these false gods in Samaria, you can see why there's so much tension and hatred. It's important just to keep that in the back of your mind because now when we read this text, I want you to see why James and John are going to have a reaction and I think hopefully through that we'll understand why they reacted this way. So let's read this text here together. Luke chapter 9. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, of course Jesus knew that all of a sudden he was going to be taken to the cross and he wanted the disciples to understand that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Do you see there? That's where they have a racist problem. Oh, we're not hanging with him because he's going to Jerusalem with the Jewish people. We don't like Jewish people. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. Now, I just want to stop here because this is, this is super important for us to understand. James and John are reacting in rejection because the Samaritans didn't like the Jews and the Jews didn't like the Samaritan. Do you, do you catch that? Jesus will just call fire. Isn't it interesting? I wish they would have said that at the feeding of the 5,000. I wish they said, hey, Lord, we'll take care of this because we believe that you can do this miracle through us and we'll just call down all this food from heaven and we so strongly believe because we have faith that there's a miracle that can happen. We'll do this, Lord. But why would they choose this one right here? 
we'll call fire down for it. We'll do it, Lord. We'll take them. They'll be crispy critters for you, God. And then you can deal with them on judgment day. Do you hear kind of the anger and the animosity there? They weren't getting it. And Jesus, and and that word rebuke doesn't mean that Jesus was rude or unkind. He was stern, he was absolute, and he was firm in this. No, this is not the way of my kingdom. This is not how we do things. We are about mercy and love and giving everybody a second, third, fourth, and fifth chance. I just want you to see here really quick with me as I was studying this text and reading it and rereading it, the mercy of God is awesome. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the mercy of Jesus Christ. We have been given mercy. The reality is we were on our way to being separated from God for eternity because of a little word word yet so impactful called sin. And that center I there between S and N means that it's all about me. We used to all live that way. But thank God that Jesus rescued us out of separation from him, out of eternal punishment, out of God's wrath to heaven. And we have that promise, we have that hope, and not only that, but we have abundant life that he gives us. And the most amazing thing about it, it's all because of his mercy. It's not because we've done anything, it's not because we deserved it, it's not because we do things, it's because simply he loves us. Getting back to that illustration, you just love your kids. You would never say to your child, even when they disobey, well, I don't love you anymore. You're not part of this family. You may set standards and say, you can't live here if you continue in this behavior, but you will always be my son or daughter. And that's the same way with God. Gazillion times even more. So let's continue into this text here, verse 57 to 62. Let's read this one together. We're at 57 to 62. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I just want you to see with me this pathway they're walking, which Jesus did a lot of walking and talking, gave a lot of time with his disciples, right? I will follow you wherever you go. Have you ever said that? I certainly have. But Jesus replied, oh, really? Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. We'll get to that in a second. Now watch this. Jesus kind of shifts. This man came to Jesus. Now Jesus comes to another person. He said to another person, come follow me. And the man agreed. But he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. For your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, let's unpack this. This is good stuff. I, 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 I hope that, I hope, I, I'm learning the uh, older I get. I think I told you, I just turned about 36, so... I'm learning that the applause, you know, I will not lie. When you applause something that a pastor says, it, it makes us feel affirmed, like, okay, we're right on. But I'm not so looking for the applause. I really want to look for, maybe I'm going to make you squirm a little bit today. Because being a disciple means I have to get out of my comfort zone. Coming to services and worshiping God is not all about me feeling good. It's not all about me. I don't want to go in certain areas. My job is to preach the truth to live the truth and be an example so that we can all follow the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. 
Sometimes we bail out of Christianity because it's too hard, because it's not comfortable for me. Jesus doesn't fit into my schedule. And what this says here in 57 to 62, I don't know if you, there's an operative word there, which is the present imperative. When he's explaining what he's saying, Jesus is saying, I want you to keep on following me. It's not just the first decision to accept Jesus, but I want you to keep following me. Why would he say that? Why would this even be included in the Gospel of Luke? It's, it's good to ask questions when we read the Bible. It's not a lack of faith. I just, I want to know. And I think that Jesus said this to keep following me because he knew in this crazy, chaotic world, sometimes it's hard to follow Jesus. Sometimes we just want to bail out. Sometimes we're going to do what Peter did. Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. But then... I don't even know who you're talking about. I never even met Jesus. Don't even know the man. Three times? He knows we're fickle. He knows that we get afraid. He knows that we have pressure points, and he doesn't want us to fall to those pressure points. So that's why these three examples are given here. It's for your walk with Jesus that you can really dig in and keep following him. Amen? All right, so number one is this. We're going to call this a superficial commitment if you're taking some notes here. I found if I write things down, it just helps me right in front of the seat back. There's some notes there for you. This is called superficial commitment. Oh, we don't see any of that today in the OC, do we? Don't get me wrong. I love the OC. I love living here. I'm a product of this place. I get it. I get how we operate. It's all about image. It's all about money. It's all about the car we drive. It's all about do our kids look great, what kind of schools they go to. I get it. But that's not really what brings life. That's not really what matters. That's not what brings the substance of life, is it? Superficial commitment means a false sense of comfort. There's no easy road. There's no easy road to following Jesus. Now, I don't want to paint a picture that it's always hard, but sometimes it's just hard to keep following God. Because there are some sins, if we were just real and honest, there are some sins that are fun to engage in, but it only lasts for a short time. And there's mounds of consequences to some of those sins. I think sometimes what we see when we look at Christian leaders or maybe those that we look up to in the faith or have been part of our church family for a while is, man, they just make it look so easy. I, I, sometimes I'm, I'm like Peter. I stick my foot in my mouth and after I say it, why did you say that? There was someone that was just happy all the time, smiling all the time. I have never seen this person ever in a bad mood or make a frown or anything. They're just always, how you doing today? I hope it's been a good day for you. It's been a good day for me. I mean, it just goes on and on like that. I turned to this person after about three or four hours. I said, do you ever have like a bad day ever? And after I said it, I'm like, why did you say that? Because she looked at me like, you weirdo, why did you say that? I think sometimes we see the glory, but we don't see the story behind the glory. I'll give you an example. If you're watching some of the finals in basketball, I love basketball, I love sports. Stephen Curry, amazing. He's an amazing player. His last game, he had catch this 43 points. 2017 and 2018 in his career, he had four ankle injuries, two surgeries on his right ankle. And here's what he said. I never would have known this if I would have just seen him play on the court. I feel like I've been in rehab for two years. I hate it. And then he said this, I feel like I'm never going to play again. So we don't see that part of the story. We don't see the rehab and it hurts and they're stretching and pushing and probing and pressure points. We don't see that. All we see is the three-pointer, man. Three in a row. Tom Brady, 10 Super Bowl rings. But I don't know if you knew this, 11,000 
and 317 incomplete passes. Roger Federer, in my opinion, one of the best tennis players who ever walked the face of the earth. And out of 333 players, he's never lost, never lost to 236 of them. But he had this massive foot injury, two knee surgeries. In 2016, he had to uh, uh, retire from a match in the semifinals of Wimbledon, the biggest tournament in the world. He had to stop playing in that one. Elon Musk, who now is the richest man on the face of the earth, he surpassed the guy that took our property away from us down on Geronimo. He doesn't, Amazon doesn't need another property. Missionville Christian Church needed that. We needed a place for our schools and all that, but they wanted $40 million. Anyway, Elon Musk, if you're watching this and you need a place to give some of those funds, you know, for your taxes, we would gladly accept any donation to MVCC. Amen? Right? The richest man on the face of the earth right now. He has a net worth of 746 billion with a b billion dollars tesla was failing they didn't think it was going to make it when it finally did i didn't realize this but he had a rejection from netscape all these things that we never see some of the background story that there was pressure when i when i wanted to really make a commitment to 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 health and staying you know wanted to get in shape and wanted to just you know do those things Signed up for 24-hour 20 hour fitness, and I saw all of these machines. You know how they're. Treadmills, all the ellipticals and stuff. And so I'm going to get on there for 20 minutes, and then I just, you know, want to get into lifting. But I don't know. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So one of the guys here from our church, his name is Ted. He used to, like, professionally lift. The guy looks like a bear. He's just huge. So I said, could you come in and just kind of show me the routine, how, what to do? And here's, here's the amazing thing is when I watch him lift, his form is so, like, perfect and precision. And then I see these beads of sweat, you know, dripping down from his forehead. Point is this. He has built up a lifestyle where that perfect form didn't come easy. My point in all this is I think we see Christians and we see certain people and we think, man, do they ever have a bad day? Yes. Sometimes we have failures, roadblocks, ad- uh, adversities. But here's what I want us to grab onto. The commitment of the depth of your faith in Jesus. You cannot give up. There's too much at stake for you to give up. And I know there's discouragement out there. Discouragement is a real thing. We all feel that. I have had several moments over 20 years of serving here wondering, God, did you get the right guy? Because if you got the right guy to lead, this church would be huger. We'd reach... I heard that. Discouragement. If I listen to that for a period of time and I don't get back into the word, I'm in trouble. Because discouragement will ride, will ride on your way to work every morning. Discouragement will sit on the edge of your jacuzzi when life seems great. Discouragement will walk into your home and feel so comfortable there. Discouragement can meet you in a mansion on the top of a hill. But I'm grateful for the word of God because when we feel discouraged, God always brings us hope and wants us to keep on following. Second Chronicles 15, seven says this, but as for you, be strong and do not give up. Somebody needs to hear this today. Mike, you need to hear this. Do not give up for your work. Watch this, will be rewarded. Because he is worthy. Why? Why do we not give up? Why do we keep going? 
We had a dear friend here at Missionville Christian who has medical background, and my wife's been going through some infection and stuff. We've been going to doctors and appointments and MRIs and stuff, trying to figure it all out. And when she heard this, she said, I'll help you. And she said, you, you guys got me for the entire day. We were at Loma Linda, and she said, you, I will sit here with you for the entire day. She sat in the hospital room with us the entire day on her day off as a mom, as a doctor herself. That kind of stuff... That keeps me going. Know that family, we will keep moving together. We will keep serving together. Why? Why did she do that? She hardly even knew us. It's because God is so worthy. God so moved on her life. God touched her from the inside out. She said, I just want to serve. He is light. He is love. He is loyal. He is longevity. He is Lord. He is goodness, kindness, faithfulness. He is God. He is holy. He is righteous, powerful, and pure. His ways are always right. He's always eternal. He's never changing. His mind, catch this, is always on you. His bond is love. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. His goal is to have you have the abundant life. His wisdom is for the wise. and He is powerful. He is the ancient of days. He's the ruler of rulers, the leader of leaders. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never cancel an appointment in his appointment appointment book with you. Wherever you hurt, he is there. Wherever you're persecuted, he will bring comfort every day, every time, at every moment. That's why we don't give up. That's why we don't rely on comfort. That's why I want to encourage you when you ask God, what are you doing? It's okay to talk to God like that. If you don't do that and suppress it, you'll never come to an intimacy with God that he will so much appreciate. I always want my kids, tell me how you're really feeling. Don't just give me the dad answer. Don't just give me the answer you think I want to hear. Tell me how you're feeling about things. And it's then that we come so close together as father and son, as mother and sons. This, this is the kind of relationship God wants with us. But we have to understand, please, please understand with me that the following Jesus is not always comfortable. There's a dysfunctional comfort that we can get into if we're not careful, which leads to number two. The second scenario, now Jesus picks out this guy and he says, come follow me. Just like he did to Levi, Peter, James, and John, come follow me, leave the fishing nets, and they followed him. This guy said, hold on, whoa. Verse 59, I need to go home and bury my father. Now, I will be honest with you. If we just read this at face value for the first time, it really seems insensitive of Jesus, doesn't it? Wait a second, I need to go to my dad's funeral. The context is that is not what's happening here. The context in biblical days, really what he was saying is, I'm the firstborn son and I need to go stay with my father because when he dies, I get all his stuff. That, that was a biblical understanding. That was the context of that day. And if the firstborn didn't stay until the day that the father died, it would go to the secondborn. And so he's really saying, I'm not ready to follow you because it may be another 30, 40 years, Jesus, and I'll get around to following you. That is not what Jesus is looking for. Timing, timing is wrong. Well, you know, just at this stage of my life, we kind of get everything where we need it, and I don't really need God that much, and so, you know, life is good, or we just enjoy going to Disneyland and the beach on Sundays, and I really like sleeping in, and I just, they're asking me to get involved with, you know, ministry, and I just, I just don't have time for one more. You see where we can go with all this? The timing is not good. When is it ever easy to follow Jesus? I was on my way to San Juan Capistrano thinking I was going to a concert, had no idea at 18 years of age that Jesus was going to meet me in that auditorium. I had no idea. And if I would have said, well, I don't really have time for you to Jesus, I'll do the Jesus thing when I'm in my 70s or 80s. 
nobody's guaranteed of a deathbed experience. The time is now. There's never a good time when all the planets are going to line up. Well, you know, I'll get baptized when I clean up some things in my life. Or I'll just kind of wait around to get baptized. Acts 22, 16 says, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on his name. The time is now. Serve God now. Get involved now. Surrender everything to Jesus now. Don't wait around. The world is waiting around. There's nothing to wait for. Acts, 20, uh, Acts 2, 29 to 40 says that, 39 to 40 says this. This promise, the promise of Jesus, is to you, to your children, and those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call, which means I believe God calls everyone at least once in their life. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging his listeners, watch this, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Make a move for Jesus now. The time is now. The gospel is now. This is bigger than us. Following Jesus and, not, and understanding we're not always going to be comfortable is not just about you making that decision. Your kids are watching. Don't you want your kids at the end of the day to say, my mom loved God. It wasn't always easy, but she had a passion for Jesus. My father, my father gave his life to Jesus Christ, and I saw that, and it wasn't always easy for my dad. Don't we want our kids to have that kind of testimony? It's not easy to have that. I want to encourage you, keep following Jesus. Number three is this. Number 61, if you want a reference there. Another said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. What he's really saying is divided loyalties. Now, before we jump in and judge Jesus' words here, he is not saying that he doesn't want you to love your husband, to love your wife. What he's saying is, and a lot of guys get intimidated by this when mom starts coming to church and dad's like, well, my wife always talks about loving God. She loves God more than anything. You mean she loves God more than me? Let me explain what Jesus says. When you love God first, you're going to love your wife more. Because you've been so touched with the love of God, you want to love her. You want to honor her. You want to serve her. And the same thing with the, the ladies. When you love God more, you're going to love and honor and respect your husband because you want to do that because you've been so touched with the love of God. So Jesus is saying, if you put any relationship ahead of me, it's not going to work. It will not work. Do not put any idol. Don't put we do a really good job of even putting our kids set up, set up our kids as an idol. Everything for the kids. They are the centerpiece of family. And what happens is those kids grow up with a, I deserve this. Life is all about me. I tell you, my parents were good parents, but they, they didn't know Jesus during my upbringing years. And that's what they did for me. And I grew up thinking, I'm all that, dude. And you ain't that. I always had a chip on my shoulder. I thought I was better than everybody else because I played tennis and I had tennis rackets and shoes and tournaments and my parents geared their entire weekend. My parents actually didn't buy a house in San Clemente when they wanted to move closer to the beach because I wanted to play professional tennis and I needed to stay in this area to play the tournaments and all that stuff. It's ridiculous. Jesus says this, you must love me above everyone else. The more you love Jesus, the more you love your family. Can't live. Anyone who's fit for the kingdom of God cannot look back. Didn't Jesus say that? Jesus wasn't trying to be harsh. He was simply being truthful. He said, you cannot follow me looking out the rearview mirror. The past is the past. Let it go. Let it go. It's okay. I died for that. I forgave that. It's already gone. I threw it into the deepest sea. I don't want you to be burdened anymore with that. And I understand that might be uncomfortable, but I'm asking you to step into something passionate with me, God says. So to wrap this up, some action points. I wanted to keep this very simple this morning. 
Commitment, commitment, commitment. That's it. I don't want to mince words. I don't want to try and make this complicated. I just want you to say, yes, Lord, I will commit to you even if I don't feel it. There was a guy who left his comfort of his family, his job, back in the early 1800s because he so was moved by the love of God that he decided he was going to be a missionary and leave his comfort zone and go to an unknown place where they never heard of the name of Jesus. This is back in the day when you left, you never went back for Christmas. You wouldn't be able to get back on a boat in those days. The travel wasn't like today, so they were there for life. He stepped off the shore, or off the boat onto the shore of that small remote island among the islanders there. And he decided his approach was going to be a little bit different. He was not going to open his Bible and start preaching. What he was going to do is open up his heart and start living a committed life to show them who Jesus was. Then he prayed about the right timing of when he would open up the Bible. And as he did that, unfortunately, after a couple of years, he contracted a disease. Two years later, another missionary came to that same spot, although his approach was 180 degrees from the first missionary. He opened up his Bible. He read John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not spiritually die, but have eternal life. As soon as he read that verse, the islanders stood up and raised their hands. We saw that man. We know who Jesus is. He was here on our island and he died. The second missionary explained, no, this is the God of heaven that came down to earth. That was a messenger from God, but Jesus came to die on a cross and save you from your sins. My point is this. If I'm not careful, I can think, well, I'm committed. I committed my life to Jesus. Am I really committed? When those pressure points come, am I gonna stay in there? Father, I thank you for giving us three scenarios this morning, God, to to just remind us that it's not always going to be easy. And I thank you, Jesus, that you surrendered first. And I thank you that you simply invite us into that same surrender, God. So we give everything to you this morning. We just say at MVCC, as one of the many churches, God, that we believe you have planted in this area. God, we want your favor more than anything else. And therefore, God, we commit everything, God, to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Communion is just a short window of time here, but I want to ask you to, in the seat back in front of you, there's some juice and there's some wafer there for you, just to simply remember the commitment that Jesus made to you. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.